by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. You know, when I was a teenager, I had a friend who had one of, the, one of those pit bull dogs. He called it Fatty Maddie Moe, her name was Maddie, but he called her Fatty Maddie Moe. I'll never forget that dog. That dog was sweet to him and, and just the happiest dog you ever seen until he left the room. Then she'd growl at me, <laughs> what the world? And I tell you, he would, he would get something uh, like a rope or a stick or something, and he'd put it, and she'd get it in her jaws, and he'd pull, and when she knew that she wasn't supposed to let go, she wasn't letting go. That dog was like one solid muscle. It'd be pulling you across the room trying to hold on. You could not. Those jaws would lock down. He said he knew of another guy who had a pit bull that they put a rope on top of a pole and would put the, get that dog to bite down on that rope and swing that dog, and that dog would go around in circles and would not let go of that rope. Today's message is called a pit bull grip. Look at your neighbor and say, get a grip. <laughs> Look at them again like you mean to say, get a grip. There you go. Help me preach today. Do you have a pit bull grip in your life? Do you know what's worth holding on to? You know, uh, I've been in the same band now for about 28 years. I mean, the Rolling Stones ain't got nothing on us. I mean, if we had to come out there in a wheelchair with walkers and stuff, give me my guitar. You know, it, <laughs> we're a band, all right, but over 28 years, you know what we've become? A band of brothers. Do you know I've been at the same church for 23 years? That's unusual. You think it was easy? You think there were times I wanted to leave, my flesh wanted to go? But now I'm the pastor of the church I got saved in. That's awesome. Now look, I'm not bragging on me. If there's, that's probably the only thing I got going for me, is faithfulness. I just outlast everybody else. I've been married for 26 years. To the same woman. <laughs> That's unusual. <laughs> and you know, when I'm teasing Angie and pestering her, she often looks at me and she says, He never knew when to quit. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> Once I find something I like, I sink my teeth into it and I don't quit. I get that pit bull grip. And you know what? That's why I have stability in my life, in the storm. That's why I got people I can trust and call on. Because when you're found faithful, other people will be faithful to you. And it sets a, it sets a foundation of faithfulness in your life. 
Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. If you're having fun already, say amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This is one of my favorite scriptures. I mean, this is a scripture, if you just want to know what to do after you get saved, and I had to tell you one thing, this is it. I mean, this is it. This is what you need to know. Where's the two at here? Let's see. He's talking about how to, how to run your race, how to overcome, how to be successful. Once you get saved, what do, what do I do, Pastor? This is it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. You think you're going to run this race without Jesus? You think you're going to be a Christian without Jesus? I mean, that's... Crazy thinking. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, or let's see, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. He initiates it, he started it, and he's the one that's perfecting us. He's the one that's going to get us to the finish line. And it says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured, say endured, the cross. He disregarded, say disregarded. He disregarded the shame. He endured the cross. Have you ever had to endure a crucifixion? Jesus did. And he disregarded the shame. And now he's seated at a place of honor besides God's throne. Sometimes you got to endure and disregard. If you're going to carry your cross for Jesus Christ, you're going to have to have some endurance because it ain't going to be easy. And when that pain comes at you, when that shame comes at you, and when that persecution is coming at you, you're going to have to disregard and keep moving forward. That's how women's done. What Rocky said. Endure and disregard. Say endure and disregard. Many of you know I wasn't here last Sunday. We went on vacation. My sister-in-law had a free condo for us to stay in down in Panama City, Florida. We couldn't pass it up. We needed a, a vacation, so we got in my old truck. My truck's got, I think, around 310,000 miles on it. It uses more oil than it does gas. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <clears throat> but anyway, it was roomy and better than Angie's Mustang, so it was three of us going. Josh went with us. So we headed off to Panama City. We got about 50 miles outside of Birmingham, Alabama, on this side of Birmingham, Alabama, and this crazy chime starts happening. Ding, 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 ding. You know, like when you leave the keys in the door and you open, or in the ignition, you open the door. Ding, ding. It's real loud and obnoxious, and we look down, and it's not the engine light. You know, I'm sure your engine light's probably on. <laughs> They're all, they come on, you know. But I'm talking about the oil pressure light, the one that says your engine ain't about to be on in a minute. <laughs> the real deals. Ding, ding, ding. I said, pull over, Angie. She pulled it over real quick. I was trying to get a nap. I jumped out, 
We cut it off, of course. I checked the oil. The oil was good. Engine temperature was good. It had been sounding fine. It wasn't making any noise like it was fixing to throw a rod or something. That's what happens when you don't have oil pressure. Ladies, if your oil pressure light comes on, pull off immediately. But I called my mechanic, Dancing Donnie Diggs, down here on the back, back of the building over here. Great mechanic. He's helped me out. That's why I'm still running at 310,000 miles. I said, Donnie, we're 50 miles on this side of Birmingham on the way to Florida. And my oil pressure light's coming on. He says, well, is the engine sounding okay? I said, yeah. He says, is the temperature high? I said, no. He said, you know, we had that, pre that problem with your oil sending unit. That's just the thing that reads the oil pressure. He said, it gets clogged up. You've got sludge in the bottom of that old engine that's being broke loose, and sometimes it clogs up your oil sending unit, and it's not registering your oil pressure correctly. He said, that might be it. Or you could call a tow truck and have it towed 200 miles back. Mess your whole vacation up. We had to buy a rental car or something and spend a whole lot of money and mess up the first day of our vacation. I said, so you think I should give it a whirl? He said, it's up to you. I said, move over, Angie. I got in the driver's seat. We drove to Panama City. Ding, 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 the whole way. <laughs> I ain't kidding. We... We'll crank the music up just as loud as it'll go. But we endured. And we disregarded the ding, ding, ding. Sometimes you have to endure to get to your destination. You have to disregard the things that the devil's throwing at you to keep you from getting to your destination. Now, sometimes it may be something real and you need to use common sense. You need to pray about it and make a, a decision. Is this the devil or is this something real? But 99 times out of 100, if the devil's ding, ding, dinging, it's just trying to throw fear into your life and keep you from getting to your destination. It ain't real. I'm trying to tell you. If you're going to endure, you're going to have to learn to disregard. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of things to disregard in 2020. And some people ain't enduring. Some Christians ain't enduring. They're getting thrown off a track by a false alarm. I'm not making any statements about what that false alarm may be, I'm not, I don't know what the false alarms are and what's real. How do you know what's real or what's wrong in, in society today? How do you know? You can't trust anybody on the news, that's for sure. They all have an agenda. The devil has secured the media. So you don't know what's real. That's why we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on the prize. Man, I'm preaching real good. It's the anointing. It ain't me. It's the anointing. So far, 2020 has been ding, 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 ding all year long. Ding, 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 ding. The devil's trying to overwhelm us. 
He's trying to confuse us. He's trying to anger us. He wants us to get mad and just say, that's it, I quit, I check out. He's trying to keep the church from meeting together. But hey, we went online so we can all meet together whether we're here or in, at our homes. We're still meeting together. We're overcoming. We're enduring and disregarding. We could have just threw up our hands and oh, well, we can't meet. We just can't meet. We'll just get back together in 2021 or whenever they find a cure. No. We will endure and we will disregard what the devil wants to happen. He wants to stop the church, shut it down. He don't want us to have any fellowship. So we, we put together some life groups online. We're fellowshipping anyway. He's trying to get us to lose focus. And if you think it's okay to drift away from church right now because of this, that's a good excuse. It's not. This is not the time to drift away. If ever there was a time to come together, it is now. Don't be deceived. The devil has created the perfect storm in 2020. He's throwing the kitchen sink at America. But I still know a God that stands on the front of the boat, lifts his hands, and says, peace, be still. And he turns and he looks at us and says, where's your faith? Why are you not saying the same thing? Why are you not saying the same thing? Why are we not speaking to these storms? This is like we're waiting on them to wash us out. Now's the time to rise as a church. Matthew 24, 12. Jesus, speaking of the end times, he says, sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will wax cold. And that's happening in the church. He goes on to say that even the elect could be deceived. That's the church. Even those who know better. Even those who have the love of Christ are being deceived. And we're, we're setting up... Uh, in this camp or this camp, and we're letting our love grow cold. You know, when I talk about being in the last days, I, when I used to preach about, hey, I think we're in the last days, I, I felt a measure of, of a surety, but now it's just like, I don't even question it anymore. We are in the last days. Wake up! I just want to... Shake somebody. Wake up. If you want a lily-livered pastor that's going to sit up here and preach to itching ears in the end times, you go somewhere else. This is the time. This is what we've been preparing for. I'm here today to stir up your pit bull faith. My God doesn't stop for COVID-19. Your calling doesn't stop neither. Jesus was around sick folk the whole time. He cured lepers. He touched them. Jesus had riots around him. They were trying to kill him. He walked right through them. 
say we can't get our calling done. They said, Jesus, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. Herod's there. He's going to kill you. You go tell that fox. I'll be about my father's business. Today and tomorrow and on the third day, I will accomplish my purpose. Make no mistake about it. The foundations of this passion church were not laid in vain. I'll not see it happen. We have worked too hard, come too far to be drifting away right now. We've restructured our leadership in the beginning to push more power down to the people, to give freedom to people to rise up and to hear from God for their own departments, for you to use your gifts and talents and abilities the way God wants you to use them. We created an atmosphere of freedom in this place. And that's what we sang about this morning, isn't it? This is a place to be who God called you to be. God gave us our vision. And we wrote them down on banners. He told us who we are, what we're to do, where we're going, why we're going, and how we're going to get there. And we preach about it all the time. Because we know what we believe and whom we believe and where we believe we're going. This isn't by accident. We wrote it down and we clarified our purpose as a church. It's the great commission and the great commandment to go and make disciples. That's what we're here to do. And we, we simplified the method how do you make disciples? Well, we, maybe, maybe one person thought this, another person thought that. We simplified it. We wrote it. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Knowing God, we, we create a Sunday service that people want to come to so that they can hear the message of Jesus Christ. We send you out to tell your friends and your family and your co-workers about Jesus so the people, other people can know God. And then when people know God, they want to find freedom. So we put together life groups so people, iron sharpens iron, people could get together, they could hammer out their problems and work through and, and teach each other how to live for God and find freedom and then discover that they have a purpose. And we discover that we have a purpose. The church has our next step classes. And I got good news. Our next step classes are starting back up today at 1.30. You want to find out who, what the church's purpose is, what your purpose is in the church, how to be a leader and how to put it into action? And from now on, every Sunday at 1.30, our next step classes are back in operation. I think now if you're thinking you're being stirred right now and saying, I, I think I need to get my act back together, I think I've slipped a little bit, the next step class will be the next thing you can do today. At 1.30, go get yourself something to eat, come back. Even if you've been through the class before, you come back and go through it again. I ain't hearing so many amens as I would. I need to stop yelling at y'all. Amen. I don't think I'm going to leave. This ain't like no church I've never been to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Look, 
When this COVID thing hit, we adapted. That's what we do. We adapt and we overcome. We adapted. I loved Nicholas's message last week. Give him a round of applause for stepping in. Did a fine job. He told us how to witness with the mask on. <laughs> I would have called your message ministering with a mask. Good job. He's trying to tell you that our responsibilities have not stopped because of the situation, because of the ding, ding, dinging. We're being distracted. Don't be distracted. We just had to change our focus. We couldn't meet, even if we can't minister to people at the nursing homes and places like that, we were meeting face to face, well then we turned our attention online to people that can tune in from a distance. And we're still preaching the message of Jesus Christ. It's still about souls and still about making disciples. And that's why our camera fund, that's why I'm harping on that. I don't beg for money. But I think if Kenneth Copeland can say he needs an $11 million airplane and he can get it. I think we can get $9,000 for a camera system to reach people for Jesus Christ. I better sit down before I get myself in trouble today. I don't get excited about camera funds. I don't, I don't pull on people for money, typically. But I'm excited about souls and the opportunity that we have to reach people if we had our own camera system and do this broadcast right. Our reach could be expanded much, much farther than it is right now. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24 says, Be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve Him. There's that word faithful. Think of all the wonderful things He has done for you. I mean, the reason I get excited is because I think about how Jesus, I know he was tired on the way to Calvary. I know every nerve ending in his body was on fire. I know he barely had enough strength. He didn't have enough strength to carry it by himself. He, they had to get a fellow to help him tote his cross. But yet he got to Calvary. He plopped himself down on that old wooden cross. He did not quit. He endured for us. And I'm not quitting on him. If I'm the only one left standing up in this church, I am not quitting on Jesus Christ. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for us. Who said this was going to be easy? Who's, who's told you that this was going to be easy? You remember we talked, we had a series several years back about Nehemiah building the wall in Jerusalem. <laughs> Baby, don't cry. We talked about Nehemiah building the wall. But I think we forgot about Nehemiah chapter 4, where things got hard. You think we're just going to build the wall and the devil's just going to sit back and watch it happen? Jerusalem had been burnt down by the Babylonians. And uh, Nehemiah and 
All the Jews were either killed or brought away into captivity to serve in foreign lands. And Nehemiah was serving in the Persian Empire. I believe he was with the Persians when this happened. It was Babylonians, then the Persians took over. And uh, he got permission from the Persian king to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He had a heart to see God's city rebuilt. And so he went, and you know the story. He, he got everybody excited about building the wall. And uh, the people started the work, and it just seemed excited. It's easy to say, let's do this, get everybody excited. But once the work began, they began to experience pressure from without. The enemies of God began to take notice, saying, what are, what are they doing over there? What's that little church back behind Starbucks doing? Wait a minute. Why are these people, why are people leaving different over there? Are they just, I thought we had them just playing church, but what are they doing? Wait a minute. People's lives are being changed. Wait a we, we're losing people from our side over here. They're going over to God's side. And so the devil got upset. And two of his fellows named Sanballat San and Tobiah, local leaders in the area, they flew into a rage. And they began to say, who do these people think they are? This little church over across from Hooters. Who do they think they are? They mocked them. They said, this little wall y'all building, if a fox jumped up there, he'd topple the whole thing. Y'all ain't got a chance. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever heard those thoughts? Why am I going to this little church? No, never. It's been in the same building for so long. They got all these big dreams. This will never happen. It'll never happen. We're going to be small forever. That's the enemy. That's Sanballat. That's Tobiah talking to us, trying to discourage us. They mock us. But then when they realized, hey, they ain't quitting, and the wall is getting built, they said, hey, we're going to have to step it up a notch. Get the demon's forces ready. We're about to attack. And so they began to physically attack the people that were building the wall. New levels, new devils. <laughs> You know what Nehemiah did? He began to pray. He said, God, you see what they're doing. He told on them. You can tell on, tell on your enemies to God. He went and said, God, look what they're doing. And that's the first thing you got to do when you get an attack. When the church is under attack, you got to pray. You got to get God involved. He goes before us in battle. He's not the last resort. He goes before us in battle. we got to get God engaged. Call on the name of your Lord. And if, if you want to build a church, if you want your faith to remain strong, if you want your life to count, you got to be a person of prayer. Or you'll fold like a cheap suit. You'll never get to your destination without prayer. Just want to throw that in there. So this is going on. They continue the work. Got a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other hand. But people, the people began to grow weary. I'm tired. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. <laughs> Some of you are still working. Still being faithful. And you're saying, where's the growth? Just when we 
started to take off, COVID-19 hit. What the world? Are we got to start all over? I'm getting tired. I don't know if I can keep going. They wanted a wall, but they didn't count the cost. It's easy to want a wall, but it's going to cost you something. Anything in this life that's worth having is going to cost you. I got a homework alert for you. Write this down. Before today's over, I want you to read Luke chapter 14. That's your homework assignment. One chapter. Pretty much the whole chapter is talking about the requirements to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he commands of us if we're going to follow him. What it's going to take. But anyway, the people, the Israelites were complaining we're tired. The work is hard. We need more help. And complaining will always keep you out of the promised land. Even if you are tired, don't complain. Bring your complaints to God, but don't put it on somebody else because that's just going to compound the problem. What, are you going to make somebody else tired too? They're the ones trying to help you. They're the ones pulling with you. You will never make the promised land complaining. then, of course, as the t attacks got more severe, many of them got into fear. Fear is the opposite of your faith. You get into fear, you lose your faith, your momentum stops. You start complaining, man, you, you're, that's a recipe for being in the wilderness the rest of your life. What do you have to do? You have to endure and not be distracted. Don't be distracted. I know it's ding-ding and real hard right now. Don't be distracted. Endure and disregard the ding-ding. In Nehemiah 4.14, I love what, what Nemo says. He says, then as I looked over the situation, he, I could see him up here preaching to you right now. He said, okay, all you workers that's building the wall, church, y'all all come together. Sit down. He says, I looked over the situation, I called together you nobles and the rest of the people, and he said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Is there not a cause why we're building this thing? We're trying to leave something for our children if Jesus tarries. At the very least, we're trying to be faithful when Jesus comes back so we're not ashamed that it's coming. We want to be busy. We are building this for a reason. So he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord instead. If you get a, feel afraid, remember that your God is bigger than the devil. In this world, tribulation will come, but my God is bigger than the world. So don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. You got to fight. If you won't fight for yourself, will God fight your battles for you? If you, if you won't even so much as pray 
and, and take a step yourself. I thought if, if I took a step, God would take a step. Draw nigh to me, and I'll draw nigh to you. Are we fighting? Are we willing to fight? If we say we want something, we've got to fight for it. So Nehemiah, he got them rallied. He stationed 50% of them uh, to guard with, with the sword, and he stationed 50% of them to do the work on the wall. Last time I did math, I ain't very good at it, but 50% and 50% was 100%. So he was able to gather all the people that were supposed to be there building the wall and get them back to a pit bull grip on their destiny, back to their calling. And then he said, okay, we need to get better at protecting one another so we don't have people falling through the cracks. I know we're spread out and we're building this wall from different angles. You're over here, they're over here, and if the enemy attacks, they might take a big force at one person. He said, so I want you to carry a trumpet. And if you see the enemy attacking, blow the trumpet and everybody will rush to that place and protect one another. And that way we can fight the enemy together. So if you see a brother that's down right now, if you see somebody that's not here that should be here, not tuning in anymore, let's rush to them as a church. We got to have one another's back if we're going to get this done. We need a hundred percent participation. Amen? Amen. If we don't fight for one another, whew. Nehemiah four twenty says, "When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding. Then say, then, then. our God will fight for us." We won't fight for each other. Then maybe God ain't going to fight for us either. Didn't it say then? After we respond, then God will fight for us. Another thing that happened was Nehemiah looked around and he saw that a lot of people weren't living within the confines of of the wall that they were building, the protection, the, the layer of protection, the wall was for protection. And a lot of people were living in the outlying communities and then coming to work every day, coming to the wall to help build. But Nehemiah says, no, the attacks are getting so strong, we can't have that. If you're out there, you're on your own, you need to come inside the protection. And what I'm trying to tell you with saying that is, if you ain't in the church right now, you certainly need to be. Don't be saying I'm a good Christian, but I don't watch church on TV and I don't go to church anymore. This whole thing's throwing my world into a tailspin. You want your world to be turned into a tailspin? I'm telling you, it's about to be if you don't get yourself back in the protection of the church. These walls of the church are for a reason to protect one another from the attacks of the enemy. So he brought everyone into the to the church, now is not the time to draw apart, but to draw together. And then the last thing I saw was, it says that everybody carried a sword. We know a sword is an analogy for the word of God.
We're living in perilous times. If I'm just preaching another message and you just walk away and you say, oh, he just talked about reading his word, he talked about praying, he talked about coming together again, you're going to wake up one day. Noah talked a long time about getting on the boat. And they all just disregard it. I'm not listening to that. He, he always says, Noah always says get on the boat. It's never going to rain. <laughs> Wake up. I can feel the drops already. It's raining. we got to stay together. And then finally, the most disappointing thing of the whole story happens. They begin to, to let strife into the work. Are you listening? Well, I'm working harder than so-and-so. They ain't pulling their weight. I'm giving more. They ain't doing this. Uh, so-and-so, I don't get along with them. I can't work with them anymore. I've got to go over here. They, they, they're trying to tell me what to do, but we put them in charge for a reason. No, but nobody tells me what to do. Strife. People begin to complain about one another. And if you are doing more work than somebody else, which there's a lot of people pulling most of the, a few people pulling most of the weight in every church, don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep doing it for God. Those people that are not pulling their weight, they will have to face God on judgment day about that. You just keep doing what you can do. You're saving up treasures in heaven. God keeps good records. Do it for him. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for him. Nehemiah 5.10. Nehemiah heard about all this strife in the camp. He looked into it and not 5.10 but 5.9. Nehemiah 5.9. It says, then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? If we can't get along, the world sees that. If you're going telling your people at your job how you don't get along with so-and-so at your church, you've just ruined the witness of the Passion Church. And you really ruined your witness because it says we shall be known by our love for one another. And love covers a multitude of sins. Do you want to be mocked by the enemy? My question is, are we treating each other right? I know situations in the church as the pastor right now where there needs to be reconciliation. I know people... I'm not saying there's outward hostility where people are calling each other names and can't, you know, arguing out loud. But I know situations where people, there's strife. They've allowed strife in their relationship. Somebody may be in the right. Somebody may be in the wrong. But somebody's got to be the bigger person. Somebody's got to remember why we do what we do. Because we love God, we love people, we love his purposes. And I'm asking you, as your pastor, there's aught in your heart about against somebody in this church, really anybody in your life. I want you to pray about it and get it out and forgive them. And if there's reconciliation that needs to take place between you and that person, 
Even you can say, well, I, I don't, they don't even know how I feel. Well, then you don't have to approach them about it, but let God know and let it go. But maybe you're saying, well, I don't have anything against them, but they got something against me. I can tell they don't like me. They won't listen to me. My leadership, they're, they're not good followers, this or that. You know what a leader does? He leads by example. You got to go to that person. So go to that person before today's over. If there's something that needs to take place in this church, I'm begging you as your pastor. This church has been mostly strife-free for the 23 years I've been here. That's one of the great things I love about our culture. But, you know, at this time, there's every reason, every opportunity to be like the world and get upset with your brother or sister about this or that. We've got to root it out. That is the cancer on the church. Where strife is, there's every evil work. What does it say? It's like a sin of witchcraft or something. We're not bringing witchcraft in our church. I know sometimes I just want to go to people, sit them down, and say, okay, you two work it out. And, and, but there's, there's little fires all over the place. I can't chase you all the time. Sometimes I'll sick somebody on you. Brother Richard, would you go talk to so-and-so and see if they can get along? Nicholas, could you? And I can't use Richard because he's into it with everybody. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Look, we laugh together. We love together. We serve God together. We can get past the little foxes. And so I'm asking you as your pastor, when I told you to read Luke 14, did you say to yourself, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't do he don't tell me what to do. If, if, if I told you to go to your brother just now and I said, you know, make it right with your brother, you're saying, I'm not doing that. You know what that says? It says something about your walk with Jesus. It says that, that you won't listen to the authorities that God has put in your life. You may say, I don't like your preaching. I don't think you're a good guitar player. I think you're ugly without your little goatee. <laughs> you say you don't dress good. Your mama dresses you from Kmart. You can say all that you want about me as a person. But ultimately, God put me in authority over this church. You should respect me for the authority that God placed. And, and if I ask you to do something, you really should do it. Or you're not rebelling against me. That's why I don't get all upset. If I ask you to do something, you don't do it. God, they're rebelling against you, not me. It's your authority. I'm just, I'm just administering it the way you tell me to. So you see, we're, we're, we're clearing up some church issues here today, ain't we? We're getting down in the weeds a little bit today. But it's because we're going to continue building this wall. We're going to get the job done. They came together. They finished the wall. I better close it down. Lord have mercy. We're going long today. You know, I, I, I slept the whole vacation down in Florida pretty much. I was tired mentally. I, I would go to the beach, but I would just sleep. I'd come back, sit in a little lounge chair and just sleep with the air conditioning on. I slept a lot down there. 
But when I but I when I came back, I'm ready to go. Get you some rest, shake those cobwebs out of your head, stir yourself back up, and let's get back to building this wall. Let's get back to the things God has asked us to do. I came back ready. God will send you inspiration when you need it. I was out in my shop building cornhole boards and, and put on a, a CD, an old CD of Third Day. I didn't even know what was on it. I was listening, started hearing this one song every time it played through. Talk about carry my cross. And it was written from Jesus' perspective. It was like Jesus singing. He says, I will carry my cross. And I will carry the shame to the end of the road through the struggle and the pain. I will carry my cross and I will carry the shame. And the more I heard that, I just said, Jesus it didn't stop for me and I'm not stopping. Uh, ain't nothing going to stop me. We're going to keep moving forward. He carried my shame. He carried my shame to the end of the road. To the end, he ran his race. He finished his course just like Paul did. Jesus finished his course. Now, we're in the trenches right now. I mean, this ain't boot camp anymore. I've been talking that analogy for some time. This ain't practice church. We're at war with the enemy. Real bullets are flying over our heads right now in the spirit. And it might be real bullets in the natural before long. We don't get it together now. When are we going to wake up? We got to get it together, church. And I believe in you. I believe in each one of you. I know your heart is to rise up. I know we've been distracted. I know the ding, 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 ding is just monotonous and it's beating us down. We've got to tune out the enemy and tune in to the voice of the Lord and keep our eyes on Jesus and keep fighting the good fight of faith. We've got to take this cross. We've got to carry this shame to the end of the road. Through the struggles and the pain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can do it in Jesus' name. I can do all things in Christ's name. I can do this. Revelations 2.10 says, Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Don't let go of the rope. Sink your jaws into this thing like a pit bull. To the ties that bind us to Christ, remember your why. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.